Hey guys, Pete here with a quick editor's note. Uh, we were having some technical difficulties recording this. The internet was not cooperating with us. You will notice a couple places. Sounds like it's lagging a little bit or buffering, but uh, we did our best to work around it to make sure we brought you a show. Sorry for the inconvenience. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Good Morning Lothal, the unofficial Star Wars Rebels podcast. I'm Pete Salas, along with... Rolando Zamora. What's going on, Roly? Everything's good. Long time no see, man. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You you say that uh, facetiously, I get that. But Roly's saying that because uh, we just ran into each other at a child's birthday party this past weekend. And uh, it's not like we don't see each other on the reg, but like, you know, it's just kind of weird to see you like in person versus like on on the Zoom. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know we usually get together for like the wrestling pay-per-views and such, but that was kind of a nice surprise. And it was funny because it was the day before we're going to record. So it was like, I know you were hesitant to ask me something. You're like, no, 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 I'm just going <laughs> to surprise you yeah. during our recording tomorrow. So I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going we're gonna to do it as we usually do it. We're going to do it. We're going to wing it. And before we get to that, while I have you guys at the top of the show, let me ask you guys to please remember to like, share, subscribe, and rate us. It's very important. And it also helps greatly and Rolly and I very much appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so before we get to this week's episode, Rolly, what's happening around the galaxy? Let's see what's happening this week in Star Wars. Okay, so big topic of discussion this week. Not that it hasn't been a big topic of discussion, but everybody that has seen episode five of Kenobi, you know, I was blown away. So I'm I'm ready to discuss. I know last week it was a little bit I might not have been like as hyped to discuss it right but i think uh this week for me was definitely a 180 so pete like i always have been every single episode why don't you give me your thoughts first yes i mean you you summed it up pretty well it was a complete 180 from the last one not that i i thought the last one was was all that bad i mean it was a little bit slower than the ones before but this one they came out in full force and a lot of the things that we had talked about it's like they were listening it's kind of what you said uh yesterday when we saw each other um but no it was just a badass episode from top to bottom and it really peeled back a lot of layers that we had been like kind of like thinking that that could be the case specifically when it comes to uh reva but you know it was like it just knocked it out of the park and it was a perfect perfect episode yeah definitely what i found funny is uh our buddy at the at the birthday party we were at yesterday really dedicated fan of ours so (laughs) (laughs) first of all appreciate you mike for that Yep. But it was hilarious because, uh, you know, we record on Sundays. So that's why we're discussing the previous episodes. But our podcast, obviously, as you guys know, drops on Wednesdays, the same day as Kenobi. So, of course, the priorities being the priorities, our buddy watches Kenobi first. The same same way I do, the same way Pete does, the same way all the Star Wars are watching first, right? 
but then he religiously watches our podcast like <laughs> Wednesday mornings, which I very much appreciate it for. So it's funny because he had just seen Kenobi and was like blown away the same way we were. And then he saw our podcast from last week and he kind of saw where I was kind of already like getting concerned, like not really happy with what right. I had seen in episode four. And he had just seen episode five. So put it in perspective, he was like, uh oh, I'm sure Rolly's going to eat his words the, <laughs> the next time they record. And yeah, that's basically what happened. Sure enough, here you are eating your yeah. words. It's not so much that I was like eating my words, I would say, because I know like, again, like I'm not one of those toxic fans. I definitely appreciate, you know, the great stuff that I was shown. I was just concerned with where the story was going. That's that was my biggest concern. I loved everything about Kenobi up until that point, though, the character development, the scenes, the the chemistry between the characters, Leia, you know, you and McGregor. It's just absolutely amazing. It was just the story that I was like, where's it going? There's two episodes left. I'm concerned. (laughs) And I know like between Pete and myself and like our other friends, like I was, I was, I would tell them like, this is, you know, I'm hoping to see this. I want to see this. I want to see this. Some of the stuff I haven't said on the podcast and man, it's like, they just jammed it all there in the episode and not the last episode, mind you. So it basically now brings me back full force into Kenobi hype where I was during the first two episodes and it sets up the the finale, you know, great. So now I'm just like, there's like one thing, you know, I'm I'm expecting to see, but that's based off of what we saw at the end of the uh, fifth episode. But yeah, I'm now I'm just like really hyped to see how they're going to wrap up in the in the finale. But, you know, just to kind of take a step back and talk about the individual stuff going on in this episode, some some of the stuff I wanted to point it out uh, right out the gate the flashback to obi-wan and anakin training you know during the clone wars anakin still has his padawan braid so you can kind of tell this is immediately following the events no 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 let me let me rephrase that it's not following the events of attack of the clones it's in that same it's in that same range though yeah it just clicked as soon as i started talking i because he doesn't have the robotic arm i don't do you remember if he was wearing the glove? That's a good question. No, I don't think he did actually come to think of yeah. it. So this might have been pre, this might have been like right before Attack of the Clones. Yeah. I and I, I, I just rewatched it. So now I'm going to have to rewatch <laughs> it again just for that, just to kind of make that connection. But nonetheless, like you saw the training and the, the episode starts off that way. And it was just really cool because, you know, Anakin is the, the aggressive fighter. He's he's always been that way. Yes. Fans that are you know, fans of the Clone Wars animated series, you see that throughout the entire series. And Obi-Wan's the the true disciplined master, right. preaching patience to his Padawan. That for me was like one of the biggest things. I wasn't that person that was hoping, like banking, I need to see Clone Wars flashbacks, but it was a pleasant surprise. And then the way that they basically use it to tell the story of what's going on in the current Kenobi series, you know, they they flash back to those scenes where he's trading Anakin and it's just tied to everything that you're seeing, right? Uh, you know, during this episode. So I thought it was amazing. And then the other thing, a few other things that stood out for me was uh, Reva's revelation. Yes, so, of course. Yeah, the fact that Obi-Wan basically talks to her and he's question, the question that I wanted answered since the first episode or second episode rather, was how does Reva know that Vader is Anakin? Nobody is supposed to know that besides, you know, the Emperor and any surviving Jedi that did know Anakin, in this case, Obi-Wan. So he, you know, he questions her about it, or he basically finds out she, you know, you know, because you were there in the temple during Order 66. So, so they show up the flashback 
and sure enough it kind of confirms that and i think that was kind of where people were leading after they right. they showed a youngling in the the very first episode they're like okay maybe that is reba so that ended up being true but the twist that really threw me for a loop was when obi-wan like senses her her feelings and realizes that she's doing all this to hunt vader not right. obi-wan yeah so she's basically she's, using obi-wan as bait to get to the one that she really wants that's yes. why that's why she was so like hell-bent on finding him because you find him then you're gonna get right next to the one that you want to slice in half yeah and it's funny that you say slice in half because as i was re-watching it today i i was attributing her mission of revenge to maul mm -hmm. after maul gets sliced in half you know he knows all this information about the emperor and none of that and everything rather the emperor's plan and he doesn't care like the only thing he wants to do is avenge what was done to him by obi-wan kenobi so that's what that's the sense that i got from riva she's throwing all these innocent people all these innocent jedi as fodder to to vader mm -hmm. just so that she herself can you know confront and destroy vader at the right moment so i was just like blown away by that scene it was it was super awesome i'm like man now i really want to see what happens in episode six because you know vader does basically uh confront her stabs her right through the the heart the same way that she did to the grand inquisitor but you know that she's going to be fueled by revenge mm -hmm. and survive i think the grand inquisitor tells her as she's like laying out bleeding something to the extent of it's impressive how much revenge can power you to to right. survive or go on something to that extent and yeah. I, you're gonna see that from reva in my opinion uh in the final episode i'm i just want to know is she gonna like find peace and like be put in a position to do the right thing or you know just kind of go full force and stick to the original plan yeah but through i don't know how to if i'm phrasing that right but you know without any good intent just destroy right. vader no, no. I, at I, all costs i really like the the whole like duality of man kind of a of a storyline with her of like just because she's hell-bent on killing the bad guy the main bad guy in the star wars universe doesn't necessarily mean that she's a good guy either you know her, her yeah. methods are not fueled by by good they're fueled by by anger and, and rage and revenge and yes she's playing the the empire you know she's like a double agent kind of a thing to try and accomplish her goal but at the at the same time like you said she is willing to sacrifice as many uh jedis as she possibly needs to in order to achieve her goals so she's not a good a good person at heart by any means but that has not stopped previous characters in the star wars universe from having a change of heart in the 11th hour you know what i mean yeah definitely so that's why i'm kind of like the the writers for the series definitely have me on edge because i want to know now hey is reva gonna what's what's the end like how is reva gonna wrap up her story what's what is she gonna do to contribute to you know bringing down vader now that she herself in her own plan has kind of failed so she finally confronted vader at the end of the episode and they had a they had a fight and a, a pretty pretty good uh match up at the end but did they imply or maybe i maybe i might have like miss seen it or whatever but did they imply that anakin did strike her like stab her as a as a child and she survived yeah i was kind of confused with that when i saw it the first time and then when i was re-watching it that's how i interpreted it actually that because they kind of show her and he's walking towards her like if she's the lead group of right. the younglings but i kind of just saw that as like this is her vision of how she remembers it and that's 
not necessarily how it happened. And I'm talking about when I first saw it. So I interpreted it as like she saw her friends getting sliced down. So she just proceeded to, to fake her death. Mm-hmm. But uh, after rewatching it this time, I kind of got that perception like she did get struck down because they she showed did, him she just like, survived right Basically. she just survived like they just showed her they kind of showed it like parallel like him striking young reva at the same moment that he struck the current reva so I, that's when i started changing my thoughts on that like no you know what maybe she did he right. did strike her but she just happened to survive and she you know she played dead and so it wasn't so much that like maybe she got away or he just much less to much lesser degree like just let her go is he did actually strike her but she just survived i guess yeah, yeah that's kind of how i'm taking it after this second viewing but so that that makes her even more of a badass to be able to have survived as a child too yeah because it's like fueling her revenge from such a young age to where right she had she she says it herself she's like i've been alone this whole time like you don't know what i'm capable of when she's talking to obi-wan so that's very much true from that moment when anakin invades the jedi temple and kills all the younglings at that moment she's doing everything on her own uh, another thing I really liked from the episode that I know all my friends were raving about was uh, that force pull that Vader does to bring down the ship, and yes. then he just like rips the through rips a hole through the ship to get to the people <laughs> that are inside, even though right. nobody's there. I was just like, that was insane. That amount of force power we haven't seen besides like in video games. Yes, uh, I I haven't played Force Unleashed, but I believe Star Killer did that in Thank that you. video game. Thank you for saying that, because that's that was the question I was going to ask you was I know that they're pulling a lot from from the video games, specifically like last last episode, you mentioned the uh, the water and him using the force to stop the water from from breaking the glass. And yeah. Whatnot. OK, so I did read that. I did read that that this force pool was uh, pulled directly out of the Force Unleashed games. But I was going to ask you, have you ever played those? And what is the deal with this Starkiller guy? Because I. I I never played the games, but he seems to have a very big following online and everyone wants a live action version of him. Yeah, I haven't played this myself, but the, uh, the little bit that I do know about it, and if I do say anything uh, to anybody listening out there that's incorrect, just drop a comment and correct me. Uh, but if what I remember reading correctly is that uh, this Star Killer ends up becoming the secret appen- apprentice for Vader in the oh. sense that, yeah, in the rule of two, the apprentice always at some point has to overthrow the master. I believe that was the intent. Like he was supposed to groom Starkiller as his apprentice once he was ready to overthrow the emperor. But again, I haven't played. I do need to play it. A buddy of ours was playing it at the party. Apparently it just like got released on the Switch. So I might do that. Uh, I need to further my Star Wars knowledge in every <laughs> aspect that I can. And that I, I've never heard anybody speak bad about that game so it's one that i definitely should play right but what i was gonna say too is um even though i haven't played force unleashed uh i do remember on fallen order vader is showing the same type of power level as he's chasing cal Kestis. you know cal Kestis is escaping the the inquisitor fortress mm-hmm. and vader's basically chasing you in the background as you're playing cal Kestis, and you just see like these like parts of the the base just coming down like like incredibly large chunks of the base as okay. you know and it's it's implying that vader's you know doing all this with the force so that was what i had seen up until this so when i saw this scene on obi-wan i was just like yep he's gone full force so to say 
but uh and i was also reminded of the scene on uh clone war season seven where maul's trying to get away and ahsoka kind of uses the force pull to almost stop this ship ultimately yes. she can't do it this you know the same level that vader does it in this episode but uh you know that's the same kind of power we see from ahsoka and i believe in ray in the rise of skywalker she's force pulling that ship back that she perceives that Chewbacca is on and then that's when she ends up unleashing the force lightning because she just she can't control it but I think it was the same concept she was trying to force pull but this is the first time we've seen it where it's actually successfully done and who else would you expect it from besides Dark Vader of course (laughs) so yeah that was a huge moment for me and then of course the last huge moment which leads into the final the finale is when they show luke and he's sleeping in his bed and the lead up to that scene is basically the communication device that obi-wan has where bail organa is trying to reach out to him to tell him i haven't heard from you you guys i'm worried i'm gonna do what's necessary and just go to tatooine to protect the 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 boy which is luke Mm -hmm. um yeah so reva as she's laying there like pretty much dying she finds that communication device that uh i forget the name of the actor left behind because obi-wan gave him the device so she's listening to it and she kind of just hears some keywords like tatooine owen boy so Mm -hmm. right away you know she's gonna play some part in that season finale or in that season series finale whatever and then they show luke there at the end so I know it's going to be something exciting that, you know, now Luke's going to get pulled into the picture to some extent. So, okay, that that also wasn't, it, it was an open-ended kind of an ending. What What is her end game? would you say? Like, let's just make a prediction. Like, why, why even go after or go try to intercept Bail Organa and the boy? Like, if, if she's already, she's already been busted by, by Darth Vader and the Inquisitor that she is not who she says she is. So what is the point of going to go after luke um the only thing i could possibly guess at this point i didn't put a lot of thought into it so unfortunately uh i was just kind of like yeah i'll wait to see what it happens and i'll just let myself be surprised but maybe it's the same concept of how she knew to use leia's bait i think maybe she's just gonna use luke as bait uh to get a second chance at vader the same way she did with leia even though she doesn't know that leia is uh vader's daughter nobody knows that besides obi-wan bail and yoda she just knows that there's a connection there and i think she's gonna have use that as her second opportunity to finish her mission but i what i'm hoping ultimately happens is there that there is a balance that brings her back she listens to obi-wan and that in the process of her trying to execute her plan yet again she does come back to the light so to say and that's kind of how her her story ends i i would love to see that Okay. Especially because you know she was a youngling. She grew up in the Jedi Temple. Ultimately, her mission is fueled by revenge. So it's for like a good reason. It's just significantly twisted to where it no longer is for the good of everybody. But ultimately, she is a Jedi at heart. She's doing this because she saw her family struck down. So she's just going after the killer. Well said. Well, I mean, either way, we're all in for a hell of a final episode coming up. So yeah and supposedly i'm reading that it's an hour and a half i don't know if that's confirmed or not but if it is man i'm ready (laughs) absolutely oh yeah man all right so moving on from kenobi uh we got some birthdays to mention uh first and foremost the late ralph mcquarrie he was the original concept designer for the original trilogy he would have been 93 years old birthday on june 13th people that might be unfamiliar with that concept are they've they've actually released a 
Funko Pops like in yeah. the past year or so. I saw those. Uh, those are really cool. Yeah, based off of his concept art. So uh, played a big role for George Lucas. If he's basically the guy that put George Lucas's story to, to illustration at first to be able to ultimately sell the idea to 20th Century Fox to produce this franchise that we all love. So a huge kudos to him. Yeah, the the art design is very like 1950s looking. That's that's the best way I can put it. It's like very like angular like designs, yeah. like especially on Vader. He has like these really long side like the those little I don't know what they're, what they're called the little things <laughs> at the end of his mask. But um, yeah, I'll I'll put some pictures up there. But yeah, it's I I have always loved that those designs by uh, the late great uh, Ralph McQuarrie. So yeah, definitely. A uh, couple other birthdays I want to mention. Deborah Chow was birthday was on June 16th. If you're watching Kenobi, you might know who she is. She's the director of Kenobi, all six episodes that are dropping. And she got her start on Star Wars by, uh, I think she directed a couple episodes in The Mandalorian. She's 50 years old as of June 16th. And then we have Rick Famuyiwa. Uh, also a director on The Mandalorian. He is 51 years old as of June 18th. So happy birthday to all of them. What I wanted to mention too is if you're familiar with the the directors all that all went and did work in The Mandalorian, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Bryce Dallas Howard, Taika Waititi, I almost left him out. So there's a, I've mentioned this series before. There is a uh, basically like a behind the scenes they call it behind the magic of the mandalorian season one and they do like a lot of like table discussions and they're all involved and you can definitely see why these were chosen to to direct episodes and like even in the case of deborah chow she's was sort of selected to direct a whole another series and then taika waititi got a movie and it's mm -hmm. just from they start they do an episode or two and you know they're just really setting a form for to come for star wars so it's really exciting to to see their work and right you kind of get a really good perspective of what's going to happen in the future and know that it's in good hands. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And these are all like A-list directors too. So that's that's a, that's pretty cool that, that uh, Star Wars is bringing in the uh, the big guns, so to speak, to, to direct. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So last week we had a segment. We, we ranked our favorite order of the original trilogy. So this week I want to do the prequel trilogy. How does that okay. sound to you? Prequel trilogy. Okay. All right. Got it. <laughs> yeah okay i'm ready all right so i don't know who went first last time i did so, so you, i guess so I'll, you, go, I'll you go this time yeah <laughs> all right i'll take the lead so i'm gonna go backwards three two one right in my favorite order so number three i'm gonna have to say attack of the clones what um <laughs> let me say the order first <laughs> okay let, let me say the order first and then i'll tell i'll give my reasons why okay so number three attack of the clones number two the phantom menace and number one, Revenge of the Sith. So uh, just to kind of explain that, I'm gonna start with The Phantom Menace at number two. The Phantom Menace in my book, it, it's real hard for me to say number two as opposed to number one, because we talked about it last week. My memory, every time I watch that movie, I picture myself seeing brand new Star Wars in the theater for the first time. I always watch that film mm -hmm. with that mentality. It never, I can never like separate the two like without I can't separate the feeling from watching that movie. So that one ranks really high aside from Darth Maul being insanely awesome. Duel of the Fates being insanely awesome. Right. So um, but I have to say Revenge of the Sith number one because it just 
it sets up, you know, the fall of Anakin and the beginning of Vader. So despite the criticisms that those these movies get with the dialogue, the story is great. And again, it sets up also, or rather, I'm such a huge fan of the Clone Wars that in that Clone Wars season seven, you get that arc where it integrates so perfectly well with Revenge of the Sith. So mm-hmm. it just makes the film that much better. And not to neglect Attack of the Clones, but it's just a slower film. It's it's the love story. Uh, there's certain elements from the movie that I do like, but ultimately it's it's not one that I go back and rewatch very often, which is fun. You know what I will say, though, Pete? I just thought of this as I was saying it. The that episode in the Bad Batch where they show Camino just like being mm. completely emptied out before it gets destroyed. Yes, I will say that I'm not going to lie that when I saw that it laying in bed at five in the morning because I was watching Bad Batch first thing in the morning before i went to work like i basically like almost cried when i saw that scene i remember i remember you messaging me that day and yeah. you were like dude wait till you see this one scene and i'm like what and he's like, you just just wait just wait and like <laughs> sure enough man yeah I, I know what you're saying yeah yeah and that scene is powerful because of attack of the clones right all the rooms that they show empty at camino in that episode of the bad batch before they destroy it those are all the same rooms that you see when obi-wan first visits camino in attack of the clones and he starts they show they show the mess hall they show the the cloning or like the cloning room where they show like the the containers and such so it i can't you know dismiss that but that's the same thing for every star wars film like a lot of people hate on rise of skywalker too but there's iconic scenes in there that i love so every film i guess what i'm getting at no matter how low or high high i rank it contributes to some element uh that gets me like hyped for star wars <laughs> right, right. no I, I could see that totally um so okay is it my turn yeah go for it all right so mine is gonna be uh let's just like we did last time i'm gonna do it backwards so i'm gonna go with number three is the phantom menace is and the only reason is is i i get what you're saying and i completely completely agree with you of that feeling of like there's a new star wars film in theaters i get to watch it but because the film was had its flaws had many of its flaws because there were certain things about that i didn't like it was a little bit slow yes i love darth maul i still love him to this day but i would say more than anything the best part about the phantom menace for me was the trailer for the phantom menace like that trailer before yeah. I ever saw it, that is what got me hyped. I forgot, I'm not remembering what movie it was attached to. It must have been, what, 1998, 99, the summer before it came out? Yeah. That the, that the teaser came out? I remember that that being, like, the thing to do. Like, to go watch, again, I wish it would help if I could tell whoever remembers what trailer, what movie that trailer was attached to very <laughs> prominently back in 98, 99. It might have been, what? was out at that time it might have been like the matrix or something like that i'm not sure exactly what what it was but i remember going to watch that particular movie and see there right then and there it's proof the proof is right there i can't even remember what movie i watched multiple times just to see that trailer multiple you might times. be onto something with the matrix because i'm remembering here we had the old theater where i saw phantom menace before they built the new one mm-hmm and this was like when i first moved to this area and i remember we went to the dollar theater and and it was all around the same time and i remember seeing the matrix in the in a dollar theater so i'm like you might be onto something with that i I think i I think it was one of those kind of one of those really big 
uh, movies that was out in like 98, 99. Anyway, Phantom Menace has its flaws. I still, I know it's become like a joke these days, but like I, the character of Jar Jar was just like, I could not stand it. I could not stand it then. I can't stand it now. I'm not a fan of the Jar Jar Binks fiasco, but yes, Phantom Menace for me is number three uh, on, on the list, but the trailer is what you were describing as getting that hyped feeling of like, man, Star yeah. Wars is back. You know what I'm saying? So much like I, I did last time, it's going to be the exact same thing. It's the order they came out just backwards. So okay. number two for me is Attack of the Clones. I very much enjoyed uh, that movie. That is where I feel like they really turned it up a notch with the action, with the uh, the storyline. They were finally, things were falling into place now that Anakin was a little bit the older teenage version of him or whatever it was. One of the, the scenes that I remember specifically was uh, that got me hyped was the very end where it looked like all hope was lost for Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Padme. And they were all tied up and about to be like destroyed by those three monsters that were going to eat them. And then you just see the all over the 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 amphitheater or whatever all these lightsabers just go on and yeah. all the the jedis are there to save them and that big that big fight scene at the end where all the jedis are just running with the lightsabers going and the, it, yes that scene is so iconic for me like i think that that is probably one of my favorite scenes in the star wars prequel uh just just the shot of of mace windu leading the charge with those with the all the other jedi in tow and that's where we met you know Django fett and what's his name uh count dooku you know so many yep. iconic characters came out of, in that episode specifically um that's where the seeds of love between uh padme and, and anakin are, are, are sown it's just a lot of really good story building in that that episode and of course my number one of the prequels revenge of the sith and for all the same reasons that, that, that you may have said it was um, the the fall the 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 fall of 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 Anakin into Darth Vader. I mean that last fight scene in what's it Mustafar, right? Am I saying that right? Yes. Okay. So it all leads up to that one moment, and it's just it is a it is a not a perfect Star Wars movie, but it is the best of the prequels in my opinion. Yeah, you know what? The way you paint the picture of Attack of the Clones, I'm gonna go back and rewatch it because you hype it up in a way that <laughs> I feel like it probably deserves to be hyped up. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna make it a point to do that. I remember I saw it after I finished Clone Wars and it was like this movie's way better now. <laughs> but the way you analyzed it, you mentioned nothing of Clone Wars. It was for the what the film was, you know, at it at its heart. So I definitely want to rewatch it now after the way you described it there. Okay. Well cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the end of that segment that we've been uh doing these last two weeks now uh let's move on to what we're all here for which is star wars rebels and this episode is episode 12 it's called vision of hope Rolly, why don't you hit us with a synopsis of the episode so in this episode the rebels attempt to rescue exiled senator gall travis a rebel sympathizer from the galactic empire after ezra bridger has a vision showing that the senator is in danger in reality travis is an agent of the empire and he's leading the rebels into a trap all right well it was uh it, it was not where i thought that the the episode was going i remember last last week i said that it might have some connection to the original trilogy but i was wrong about that it was truly a vision <laughs> <laughs> 
It was yeah. truly a vision of, <laughs> of hope. It was it was a pretty good episode. It was a pretty good episode. Um, it's seemed like another bit of a filler, but although it did advance the storyline, we did go back to get a little bit more history of the the Bridger uh, Ezra's uh, parents, which is also an undercurrent of the the entire rebel storyline so we did get a little bit more of a peek into that backstory but overall it was uh it was a very like simple like let's let's get him from point a to point b and that is about the end of the episode but the big twist at the end i did not remember and i did not see coming this time around so the episode starts with uh, ezra's once again lightsaber training and this one is a really cool one because he's in the middle of uh like of zeb and uh and sabine shooting at him and he's his yeah whole thing is to block so i think uh, even chopper's taking his shots yeah, at him that's true <laughs> <laughs> i bet he loved that um, yeah, definitely so they're shooting at him and he's trying to deflect the shots and it's he's the whole point is for him to like deflect it and not just block it but like to shoot it backwards to ricochet back to hit a stormtrooper helmet that's like his target yes. but he keeps missing it and uh the reason is is because he's distracted and he's waiting for senator travis's transmission which has uh, been a lot more frequent lately so i guess at this point we're hearing a lot more from the uh the senator that is uh, a sympathizer for the rebels correct yes or what which we perceive to be a sympathizer for the rebels in this episode we kind of find out mm, that's not necessarily the case Ezra's hyped to hear the latest transmission. So like Pete said, it's been more frequent. I guess in the midst of his training, he kind of passes out and he starts having a vision of the not so distant future. Mm -hmm. And he sees some things here and there. One of the scenes is he's getting captured by stormtroopers. But the, the biggest scene that sticks out for him is uh, he's standing in front of Travis and Travis tell, tells him something to the extent of I, you know, I know your parents something right. something to that extent mm -hmm. so of course at any mention of the word parents ezra's like hyped at that moment he gets out of it he he snaps out of his vision and he basically you know where am i what what happened did i did, did i get hit by a shot or something to that extent yeah and kanan's like no actually quite the contrary you managed to deflect every single shot towards the stormtrooper helmet so it seemed that in his vision, he kind of like at the same time focused with the force 100% and right. like subconsciously did all the right moves. Uh, so at that moment, Hera yells to the team, hey, the, you know, the, the transmission's in. So Ezra just bolts to the to the ship because mm -hmm. he's so like wanting to hear what, what the update is from Travis. They put the transmission on and it's basically Travis telling he starts talking about how the Empire labels rebel cells as insurgents. And they use the term insurgent to label anyone who dares to defy their tyranny. And then he specifically says, such as some very, very courageous souls on the thaw. The sun may have set on the old Republic, but a new freedom can be won. Uh, so when he says that, the team starts kind of talking about it like, hey, you know, that's us. He's talking about us. Mm -hmm. And and Hera specifically tells him, he, well, you know, Fulcrum actually tells me that he leaves hidden codes in his transmissions. So they start trying to decipher the code. And basically, they come to the real realization that he's coming to Lothal next. And he'll be at the old Republic Senate building, which uh, Ezra, since he's from Lothal, seems to be pretty familiar with. So, you know, of course, they're getting hyped. 
and a cautious one. Well, usually cautious. In the, in the last episode on the idiots, right? The word right. Is so cautious. <laughs> no. So now he's got to he's got to backpedal a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> turn up the caution. Uh, yes. The the person that's usually the most cautious one, Kanan. You know, because he's a Jedi. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's a little bit too obvious, and he wants to have a backup plan just just in case. It, it just seems too easy to Kanan. And of course, he ends up being right. But before we get there. When Kanan says this, Hera advises Ezra to go meet up with his contact at the Imperial facility there in Lothal to find out for sure. So on his way out, because Ezra's hyped, right? He wants to meet Travis. He wants to find out more about his vision. Kanan advises Ezra not to take his visions too literally. But Ezra kind of immediately cuts him off, telling him that he's never felt so certain about something in his life. And that's, of course, because his parents are involved. Right. So Ezra takes off. And he goes and meets up with a an old friend of his from the a previous episode when he was in the Apira Academy. It's Zare Leonis. Zare Leonis, excuse me. Um, he's the cadet that stayed behind because he wanted to find out more information about his missing sister. Right, right. Yeah, so they're talking, and apparently uh, Leonis has access to more information now because he's been promoted like three t- three times over as a cadet. So now he everything that they were winning those challenges to try to get the opportunity to get information, he can just get it regularly now. So he gives Ezra intel that Callus is actually organizing an Imperial operation on the Old Republic Senate building. And as soon as he says this, Ezra comes to the realization that Kanan was right. Like, it was too good to be true. Yeah. So he's about to bolt out of there to go the team, to, to go tell the team what's going on. But he wants to confess to Leonis that his name's not Dev Morgan. He never gave his real name in the previous episode. And right before he's about to tell him that he's Ezra and, you know, he's part of a rebel cell, that's when some stormtroopers come in to to confront him. And that's actually the very first vision he had when he had went on his vision quest, so to say. Yeah, so Ezra flees and escapes to to the ghost. And during that time, they cut to a scene where Minister Tua, who we also haven't seen since like the second episode, um, she's she meets up with Agent Callus and she starts questioning his plan like as to why he's trying to capture the you know the rebels it's not in line with what the inquisitors are doing and callus proceeds to explain to her the inquisitors have it wrong the inquisitors are after the jedi but if they just pursue the rebels as a whole they're going to get their jedi anyways right. so it's kind of right which is strange because the inquisitors are force sensitives you think they might be smarter than what they are but again they're fueled by revenge so they're blended yeah, exactly <clears throat> or not fueled by revenge but they're fueled by like a linear Cool, as opposed to looking at the bigger picture, which actually says a lot about Callus. So mm-hmm. he, he he's a he's a pretty cool character as the series progresses. So they cut back. Ezra had previously escaped from the stormtroopers, and he meets up with the ghost crew at his old parents' house. And he tells Kanan right away, "Hey, you're right. Callus has a plan. He's planning to confront confront us there at the old Senate building. So what they actually do is they go." kind of scout it out first see what's going on and sure enough they see the empire you know Mm. around the building but they haven't entered and they're wondering why like you know if if a rebel sympathizer is in there why haven't they gone in they need to figure out how to get inside so ezra of course who sneaks through vents and any form of like aladdin type maze He's like, hey, I know, I know a way in. I'll, I'll get us in there without us, you know, having to deal with the Empire. So he takes them through like some side entrance that ends up being a sewer pipe. <laughs> <laughs> so they go down the sewer, and it's a funny moment here. And the reason I mention it is because there's a closure to this moment later. But right away, the team starts complaining about the smell, and Sabine's like, "What does Sabine say?" 
She says something like, "I know, I know that smell because it smells like you or something like that." Oh yeah, yeah. She's that's true. And then Ezra's like, "Wait, you know what I smell like?" Like right <laughs> away, he's like picking up on like, "I'm gonna take my entry there and try to flirt with her." So the team enters the meeting room to confront Travis, and he's kind of set up like to talk to an audience that's not there yet. Mm-hmm. So they run to him and they're like, "Hey, you, you know, you got to get out of here. The Empire's on their way." And as soon as they say that, Callus proceeds to enter the room with troopers. And when he when Callus confronts them, it's Kanan, Ezra, and Hera. They had sent Sabine and Zeb Seppi to the top level uh, to split up. You know, just in case they knew they were springing a trap, so they did didn't all want to get caught at once. Right. So Callus walks in and he, you know he points them out. Kanan Jarrus, Jed, Jedi Knight, and Padawan Jaw. So right. <laughs> that's a call back to the the first episode or the first or second episode. Well, when when they capture Ezra before the ghost goes back to the Star Destroyer to rescue him, I think it's Callus is the first one that interrogates him. He's like basically he asks him what's your name and he tells him Jabba the Hutt. So oh, it's kind of like right. a running joke. Okay. Yes. That makes sense now. Yeah, so I think this isn't going to be like the the last time you hear about it. It's something that he always drops. And for me, it's always funny because whoever wrote the whoever wrote it, whether it be Dave Floyd or somebody else, it's like they chose like the most non-obvious right. like, character <laughs> a person wouldn't be. And this is, so he's always called himself Jabba. <laughs> so when he points them out, uh, Callus is like, well, where's the other two? Where's the Mandalorian girl and little sot? So at that point, Zeb and Sabine appear in the rafters. They throw smoke grenades down to allow the team to escape. The team ends up escaping out of the room and they actually go back down the sewer pipe, except now they have Travis. They're they're rescuing him. They're running down the pipe. Travis comes down real awkwardly and he's like apologizing because he's old, like he can't keep up with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as that happens, yeah, stormtroopers begin firing on them and Kanan orders Ezra to, t- to take Travis and Hera and get out of there. So at this point, they cut to Hera and Ezra, who are with Travis, getting him to safety. And they kind of enter this room where there's this large industrial fan that they can't get by without stopping. As they're trying to figure out how to get past it, Travis starts asking them like questions about their alliance, right. just to get a size of it. And like he just asks, "Yeah, can you believe that? Like we're doing all this on our own." And that's when, as like the general audience, you can tell, like, okay, you know. If you didn't get it by now, he's asking he's he's asking very specific questions that kind of you to believe who he really says he as Hera's gonna help Ezra, you know, cut the power to the fans so they can cross, she intentionally hands Travis the gun is and is like, watch our backs as we work. Mm-hmm. And of course, as soon as she hands him the gun, he pulls it on them and holds them at gunpoint and tells them, Yeah, you know, I, I work for the Empire and he he basically was working with the Empire to capture them. And then Ezra, of course, starts freaking out, like, you know, how can you do this? Because Ezra was so high on Travis being a voice of freedom. And Travis tells him, you know, no one has spoken against the Empire and Lothal since the bridge of transmissions. And at that point, it confirms to Travis that Ezra is actually uh, the Bridger's son. As he's rambling, he goes on to tell him, your parents were very brave, but very foolish. And that part where the, it says your parents were very brave, that's actually the vision that Ezra saw. The part of the vision he didn't see is where he follows up and tells them, that, but they were also very foolish. So Travis proceeds to tell him, I'll tell you where they are now, boy, they're gone. And it confirms finally that Ezra's parents, you know, they're not around. They're, they're dead. 
And Hera kind of confirms that too, because she immediately proceeds to tell Travis that they're not gone. As long as we fight, all that they spoke out for lives on. So big revelation on what of a filler episode. There's we're getting a lot of closure in this episode on some some stuff that we needed to know before. So in that moment, you know, he's still holding the gun at them. Harris like walking towards him and Harris, and he tells, you know, to stop he's gonna shoot. So as soon as he pulls the trigger, the blaster doesn't discharge. So Hera knocks out Travis cold and then proceeds to explain to Ezra that she basically knew the whole time that he wasn't who he said he was because of all his actions and words that he was using during their escape. And as much as she wanted to believe in him too, the way Ezra did, she couldn't believe herself either that he was actually a traitor, unfortunately. <laughs> so the team catches up as soon as that sequence is over and Kanan proceeds to use the force to stop the fan blades that they still need to get across. While he's doing that, Callus and the troopers show up to intercept them, but they're unfortunately too late and the crew does manage to escape. So the crew gets back to the ghost and of course it's Ezra's reflecting on, on the day of the event and he's just extremely disappointed in Travis and he says that he can't believe that he couldn't sense it. And he tells Kanan, you always say I should trust the Force. I thought that's what I was doing. And then, of course, uh, the smarter Kanan tells him that his emotions are clouded by the vision. It takes training and discipline to see things clearly. Visions are hard to interpret. They're basically impossible to interpret. And Ezra proceeds to ask Kanan what his last vision was. And Kanan, like a smart ass, tells him, I saw this bratty kid that constantly caused me trouble. And Ezra's like, that vision didn't play out the way you thought it would either, right? He's like, nope, not at all. But that was for a good thing. <laughs> right. So the episode kind of ends. Uh, Ezra kind of walks outside the ghost a little bit more to continue to reflect. And Hera kind of sympathizes with them. And she tells them, you know, I wanted to believe in Travis as much as you did. And Ezra's like, well, what's wrong with us? And Hera's like, you know, the difference is that we have hope. Hope that things can get better, and they will. So then that's what kind of like ties together the name of the episode was uh, Ezra had a vision, and based on what Hera said at the end, that that's what sets the ghost crew apart from most everybody else is that they have hope. And that's all you need sometimes. Hope is the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. So that brings us to the end of uh, the episode. So uh, overall, what did you think? I guess it was a filler episode, but I was surprised there was questions answered to close story points from earlier that you had asked me in previous episodes, you know, do they ever say this? Do they ever say this? And I didn't remember. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I guess I don't remember them because they're in, they put them in episodes like this that are kind of like the non-iconic Rebels episodes, but you can see why they're important nonetheless. Right, right. So I thought it was, I thought it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. So the next episode is called Call to Action. What do you think is going to happen on that one? <laughs> uh, I think based off of like the the conclusions of what happened with Travis in this one, now that they're literally a call to action to you know to start get the getting the the larger Rebel Alliance going. Like we're just a small cell. Like what's the bigger picture here? Right. Exactly. So I guess we shall see that next week. But before we get to next week, let's close up this episode of Good Morning Lothal, the unofficial Star Wars Rebels podcast. And once again, I want to remind you guys to uh, like, share and subscribe. It's very important. It's very helpful. And also, if you have any questions, comments or suggestions, also, please drop us a, a, a message and you can find us on any of the social media platforms that we have. We have an Instagram and we have a Facebook and whatnot. 
also on all the uh, normal podcast sites, podcasting, streaming platforms, whatever you want to call it. We're on all of them. Just search for Good Morning Little Fall. So before we let them go, anything else, Rolling? I guess our next episode is going to drop with the finale of Kenobi. So give us a week to follow up on our analysis <laughs> from that. I'm right. But yeah, I'm hyped to see it. I'm sure everybody else is. And but tune in next week so that we can, you know, discuss the finale and everything aside from the next episode of rebels exactly <laughs> okay so on that note this has been pete salas along with rolando zamora saying may the force be with you always goodbye from lothal <laughs>